Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com is where you go to save money each and every day. Coming up later in today's Clark Rageous Moment, all the scam calls just keep on keeping on. I have key advice for you in the Clark Rage. And coming up later, how we get our food is headed towards a steady change. It's a evolutionary revolution. And I want to tell you how it's going to affect your wallet and the food supply. So we as a family use an app called Life360. It is a very popular app with families and that it allows you to know where everybody is. Like I'm pulling it up right now and I'm able on Life360 to see where everybody in the family is. Oh, my uh, college daughter's on the road right now. See how fast she's driving. 44 miles an hour. Okay, speed on it's 45. That's okay where she is. But anyway, I can see what's going on, where she is. Uh, my other daughter is, she's not driving right now. Um, anyway, I can see what's going on, and we all can keep up with each other. If we're at some public space or public event, and we're trying to find each other, I mean, you can actually see each of our pictures moving towards each other. And a lot of people think this is truly creep out stuff that families and friends can know where each other are. A lot of teenagers use apps where they're able to see where their friends are and things like that. And Apple has one that's called Find My Friends, which is popular. And Google with Google Maps has a thing where you can share locations. And then there's the Life360. And I think a lot of people use uh, which of the social media is it? Snapchat, where you can follow where people are. So this is this is a big thing. So the questions are, does it change an interpersonal dynamic if you know where each other are? And if it does, maybe you need to stop it. Second, what are each of these outfits doing with the information? What are you permitting them to do? When are you wiping out the history and so it's your choice how long like with google how long you want to share history and then it's wiped clean because google makes money from that stuff life 360 i don't know what their business model is but i'm sure they're using the information to sell with with any of these free services there's money to be made from the information that we're willingly sharing. And you just got to know that's part of the game with any of these location shares. Um, in relationships, it can become really loaded when you're sharing location. If you have somebody who tends to veer towards jealousy or control, using these location sharing apps can be a real problem of imbalance in a relationship or somebody being overbearing in a relationship. Yeah, I mean, these, these are things you should think about before 
you start using these kind of apps. As for teenagers uh, who don't want you to know where they are, let me tell you, they're very clever about figuring out how to throw the scent off the dog, make you think they're one place when they're somewhere else. You just got to know that this is for teenagers that are not up to something and are willing to let you know where they are. Somebody who's up to no good as a teen, well, they're going to they're gonna trick you with these. Don't believe that they're absolute peace of mind. That would never happen with one of my kids. Neil is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Neil. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. How are you today? Great. It's my pleasure to have you here. You have um, some trauma going on with your family you want to run by me. Yes, sir, I do. Um, I have an 89-year-old mother who up until three months ago was driving and going to the spa three days a week and going to the, the bridge club and everything, but unfortunately she had a little accident, and we have been floating that balloon about assisted living for the last year or so, and she amazingly made the transformation to uh, give up her keys willingly and say, Neil, I'm ready to uh, look at that place we've been we've been talking about. So we didn't have to be the bad guys, but as hard as me and two of my sisters are working to add money to her account, account, sell her condo, sell her furnishings that won't fit into her assisted living. We have one other problem child in the family, our youngest sister, and as fast as we can get money into the account, my other sister is trying to pull money, and she's been doing it a habitual offender for the past uh, two or three years. So, How does she have access uh, to, well, to your mom's she account. at the same credit union that my mother does. And my mother has been going to this credit union for so many years. She knows everybody there. And all she has to do is, is call up and say, can you take 100, 200, 300 out of my account and put it into my daughter's account? And, and I have been to the branch manager and said, what can we do to stop this? And, and they say, Neil, I'm sorry that uh, we cannot uh, prevent your mother from taking her own money out of her account. I've gone to my bank, a different bank, and they said the same thing. So I'm just wondering, uh, I have POA, power of attorney. Um, I'm just wondering what you would suggest as far as maybe an online bank or, or something like this where it doesn't, uh, you know, it all has to be done online. And, sure. Uh, so you only have power of attorney, which means correct. that... Your mom has money still going into account. She's got Social Security going in there, regular deposits that your sister who wants to run off with the money can still do. Um, this, is, this is a rough family dynamic. Have you Correct. considered having um, a family meeting of the four? Because you said there's four kids, right? Right. Me and three sisters. So, yes, we've had family meetings. We have... Uh, I explained very carefully and diligently what would happen to mom if all her money runs out and said now she's in a place that she can afford, but you never know it. 90 or 93 or 95, she may have to go into a place that has different skills of, uh, or more care. And my little sister's not going to be around when uh, mom has to move from the nice place and go to a Medicare facility and she, uh, you know, it'll leave the. Uh, bear uh, the burden to bear for me and my sisters that are working and do but we've had yes to answer your question we've had meetings 
we had, oh, I promise I'm never going to do it again. And from both parties, my mother, her only fault is she does not know how to say, say that no. Word. no. She's right. too good-hearted for her own good. And my little sister will call up with poor pitiful me, um, you know, Job problems, car problems, uh, the list goes on and on and oh, on. Oh, I, 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 I've seen this movie. I, I'm very <laughs> familiar with this movie. So what I would suggest is that the three of you that are on the same page should go see what's known as, it's a specialty of the law called an elder law attorney. Okay. Elder law attorneys deal with this situation every workday of their lives. And they have strategies they can recommend to you where you'll be able to potentially remove the threat of your younger sister running off with money that your mom needs to live on. Okay. And there are, there are draconian kind of procedures you can do where uh, rather than you being a power of attorney, which does not give you enough power to stop your sister, um, but having something like a conservatorship, but you don't want to go all the way into that unless you have to, and that's why you want to see an elder law attorney. I did consult with my regular attorney who's not a specialist. That's not going to help. I mean, you need, you need, this is like, you know how, Doctors now are so specialized into, they're not just surgeons, they're in the special areas of surgery and all that. There's actually a trade association for elder law attorneys, and I'm going to give you the website, and you can just click on find a lawyer, put in your zip code, and you'll see who's an expert elder law attorney near you. Okay. And it's the National Association of Elder Law Attorneys, which is N.A., ELA.org. I'll repeat that for others. N-A-E-L-A.org. Okay. And I'm really sorry you're going through this. And, you know, the the problems you're having with your sister, they are far from unique. And right. when you look at who takes advantage of the elderly, unfortunately... Quite often, it is a loved one. It's a relative. And so you need to cut this off. You need to cut her off from getting in your mom's money because she, as you said, you don't get healthier from here. She'll need more care from here, and you got to protect her assets. Yes, exactly right. Thank you, Clark, for the good advice. I will go uh, seek the advice of an elder elder law attorney specialist. Thank you very much. Sure, and I hope that it does help, and I'm really sorry that you're going through this with your youngest sister. Rodney's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Rodney. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Rodney. So, Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Rodney, you want to make money in real estate? I'm interested in going down that avenue, but I'm, I'm a little confused at this point as to all these different options that they have available out there. So you have two of us here, Joel and I both are longtime real estate investors, and we've both been lucky enough, or smart enough, which are lucky for me, smart for Joel, to do well in, <laughs> do well in real estate over the years. So tell me what you're thinking of, and let's see if he and I can be of good guidance for you. 
Clark, I am interested in building a smart portfolio for myself, starting out maybe with a couple of fix and flips, going to the short-term rental, going to a long-term rental, and at some point down the line, uh, get into something on the commercial side, just for a, a quick synapse. All right, so um, let me but, tell you this first right off the bat. Neither of us believe at all in fix and flip. Neither one of you. No, and there, you know that's been a hot thing the last few years. You know, there's the Dare to Be Rich seminars that travel the country and all that. Um, you know, the tax code is set up, and the long-term benefit is there for if you buy a, a rough-looking place and you fix it up, having it as a long-term rental. The real money over time in real estate is made for buying a property at a good value, even if it's a sad-looking place, getting it to where it's in rental condition, and renting it out for years and years and years to come. Long-term rental. Right. The, you know, the tax treatment's awesome, and you create too many uh, risks in the system when you buy a place with the intention of it being a hot money place that you're going to own a very short period of time and flip it. So, okay. so you're not going to get any um, plus signs from us, any green lights from either of us about buying a place in one of these dare-to-be-rich scenarios. That's good advice, and I appreciate that. What do you think about these companies out there, the national companies that offer these, these seminars or workshops to uh, educate you or put you in a position where you're able to take advantage of some of the opportunities available in real estate. But at the end game, it seems to be, from just from my basic research, that they all have their own proprietary software that's similar to MLS that they want, to, want you to get involved in, or if it's educational-based, they have these expensive courses that range from four to $30,000 that they, they require you to do. Do you have any kind of a feedback as it relates to that? Yeah, ignore all of those things. Start listening <laughs> Start listening to podcasts that are available for free from people that are real estate investors that talk about how they did it. There are so many podcasters now who just want to share what they've learned. And, you know, I'm not going to agree with anything, you know, everything any one of these real estate investor podcasters say but they're not selling courses. They're not selling books. They're just teaching. And start, okay. start listening to those. Learn their systems. We all have different systems. Like Joel and I have used completely different methods for developing our real estate. But we both made money. And anybody who says that they've got this proprietary system and you buy their program or you do it their way or you use their computer modeling, uh-uh. You, you do it through hard work. You look over and over and over again for properties. You buy one property. You make your mistakes with it. You learn from it. You make it cash flow positive. Then you move on. It is a slow and steady, long-term game. It's a long march. And I would ignore any of these pitches that you'll see on the web, hear on radio, see on those TV infomercials about how you just need that guy or that organization to be your hero because really they're going to turn your money 
and to dust. Be wary and be careful. The problem with robocalls is not going away. The scamsters that call and all the rest. So there have been some good things. And one of them is how the major cell phone carriers are starting to validate traffic with each other. And so you know if the phone rings that there's a better, better chance that the caller ID is valid. But there are still so many fake calls coming in, false caller ID and all the rest. So it's such a problem, I want you to follow this simple rule. I want you to only answer the phone if you're getting a call from a friend or family member you recognize. If it's coming from a business, something identified as caller ID from government or whatever, unless you specifically are expecting that call, do not answer. Let it go to voicemail. If it's a legit call, you'll have plenty of time to call them back. But you don't want to answer a call thinking it's who it says it is because right now caller ID is past broken. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can keep more of what you make. I want to give you an update on something I addressed two years ago, and that is moves around the country to grow food in warehouse kind of environments. It's something that sounds weird to a lot of people, but we face challenges with traditional agriculture that we can't even quite get our arms around yet. And you think about the harm that has befallen farmers from the unpredictable weather, the, uh, the effects of global warming, the flooding that has devastated crops this year. And we are going to see in the United States a steady expansion of what I talked about two years ago. We're going to see more and more controlled agriculture, where agriculture is actually grown, agricultural products are grown in buildings instead of in farmers' fields. There'll be farmers growing things, but they'll be growing them in buildings instead of fields. The advantages are many. One, you're able to control much more for the elements. Two, much less water is used. Three, for people that are into natural, organic, don't want pesticides, you can do that much more easily in a controlled environment than you can in a traditional farmer's field. There was a story in the Wall Street Journal about a company building a massive greenhouse 60-acre greenhouse where the productivity of what they're able to grow in a 60-acre warehouse is so far beyond what can be grown in a traditional farmer's field. And this idea of allowing for higher productivity growing of agriculture is 
amazing because you end up being able to increase productivity 50 times over in terms of acreage required for the same output of food as we have with traditional agriculture. Now, this is something that's already been going on for a number of years in other countries, but it's something because of our vast expanse of land has not been a high priority here. But it is something we're going to see is a steadily increasing source of food, and it is, it is something that some traditionalists and farming will have trouble adjusting to it. Others will love it because it lowers the risk that farmers face from elements they have not been able to control in the past. It also means that we can have an increase in domestic food supply. So much of our food supply now is imported. And if we want to grow our food here, control it here, and know what's in our food, being able to do it more efficiently here in the United States is one of the effects of us being able to do controlled agriculture instead of traditional agriculture. By the way, I'd love for any farmers who have a a strong opinion about this, if you're very unhappy with me about this, please go to clark.com slash clarkstinks and share how you feel that I'm missing key elements by talking about this. Or if it's just something you want to comment on that doesn't fit Clark Stinks, please go to one of our discussion boards and share with us because this is an area just like any other where we all learn from each other. Jimmy joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jimmy. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you, Jimmy. I am excited about your question. <laughs> cool. I, I want your advice. Um, so as you probably know, uh, there's been a lot of competition now because uh, patents have worn, up for, worn off for like invisible braces companies. So there are a few out there. I guess I wanted to get your opinion because I'm trying to sort through and find one that's both a good value, a great deal, and more, most important, reliable. So what do you get any thoughts on that? All right. So this is a massive controversy in dentistry. And the dental industry, uh, dentists and orthodontists, are furious beyond. I mean, they're like at, at mock level fury, uh, anger about all these organizations that are offering teeth straightening at ultra inexpensive prices compared to traditional dentistry. Generally, if you go to one of these um, straightening services, you'll pay about a third of what the same kind of straightening would cost in a dental chair or an orthodontist chair. And so that's been the appeal is that they tend to cost somewhere uh, generally upper teens like 17, 18, 1900 bucks. Is that about what you've seen? Yes. So I'm, I'm not a dentist, um, so I can't talk about the medical side of it, but that's their thing is that they believe in the dental industry that you were putting 
your health at risk by using one of these services to straighten your teeth. And I am unqualified to say that you would be causing a problem. I can tell you that people in very large numbers have been using these uh, teeth straightening companies and there have been very, very few instances that have become public where people have had a problem using these teeth straightening services. Got it. So, I, you know, I can't tell you you should use them or shouldn't use them. All I can tell you is the dollars and cents. It's incredible how much money you save if you use one of these companies. That makes sense. I just have one follow-up question, if it's okay. Yeah, and I have a suggestion, by the way, after your follow-up. Oh, okay. Okay, thank you. I uh, appreciate that. Um, my follow-up is that, you know, so for a few of them are looking at the payment plans, which is probably what I needed to do, but um, I was thinking, geez, maybe I could just save money and use something like Care Credit. So I'm not sure if you're familiar. I'm sure you're probably familiar with it, but it, it, it would, like, allow me to do a payment plan through Care Credit, which can really reduce the interest rate as opposed to something like, I think the markup on a payment plan for some of the companies is like 10 to 20%. Um, anyway, I was worried about your thoughts and definitely want your suggestion. Okay. So I don't know that you'll get an objective opinion, but if you have a regular dentist, I would go to him or her and say that you're planning on using whichever one of the teeth straightening companies you're planning on using. And hear him or her out on, because odds are they're going to tell you the sky is falling if you do it. Just hear them out on why they think you shouldn't do it. And then make your best informed decision you can as an individual on which you want to do. Last thing. Um, Let me go back to the financing. All right. Oh, sure. Of course. All right. So the financing offered for a medical type service or any kind of service is really always pitched as a monthly payment thing mm-hmm. it's never focusing on the interest rates and if, and if this is something you're going to finance then whichever is the cheapest form of financing you can find is just fine and many times it will be a low interest credit card from a credit union perfect so do you sense. have a regular dentist? Uh, unfortunately, I don't. Okay. I would definitely not proceed with using one of these uh, teeth straightening services until you go and find a regular dentist, go for a checkup, see how your general dental health is before you would choose to do one of these teeth straightening things. That's, that makes sense. Because the danger the dentists always talk about is that if your general dental health is not as good as it should be you could have teeth falling out from the teeth straightening wow so that's why you want to make sure that your general dental health is good before you use one of these services great point so how did i do threading the needle as a non-medical professional best i could i guess Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jason. Well, Clark Howard, so nice to talk to you, the bulldog for the American consumer. 
wow, that's a good slogan for us. Well, yeah, I think it is. I'm not sure whether you're a French bulldog, which I prefer, or uh, an American or British, but uh, I think the Americans fight harder. <laughs> okay, that's fun. I'm going to tell well, that to my mom, uh, to my wife, and right, let her well, decide. My mom. Okay, well, she, I'm my sure, mom's I'm been sure dead she, a long time. She can't give an opinion. I'm sure, I'm sure your wife listens to your show, and if she doesn't, you ought to make her. No, my wife does her own thing, and... I don't know the last time she's listened to me on the Well, air. really? Okay, well, well, Clark, I got had. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a big boy. I thought I understood um, the risks of using the Internet and consumer fraud and whatnot, but I really got taken. I was on a social media site, and um, there was a, an excellent offer on some very nice footwear that I regularly buy. And I ended up buying three pairs, and of course, I didn't get delivery, canceled with my credit card company. But then something strange happened. I got a package in the mail, um, a little five-by-seven kind of a bubbly envelope from China Post. And um, I opened it up, and it was a Santa card, a Santa Claus Christmas card with Santa and Rudolph and kind of garish. But on the very front, under the notes, it said, shoes. <laughs> so, sure enough, uh, a couple of days ago, my credit card company informed me that uh, this, this uh, imaginary shoe company had delivered shoes to my house. So, I, Wait, wait, I was, wait, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, you do not accept that your credit card company says that you have to pay for these. So, oh, Clark, I'm I am positive that I'll be able to work it out. They okay. just reversed the charges. They recharged my card, and I'm I'm going ahead with the paperwork. But as you know, it's a hassle. Yeah, complete. It's a you know it's a it's a it's a large hassle. And I guess first of all, this is a new scam on me to have them send a package so they have a certified receipt of having delivered a Christmas card to me, <laughs> um, abusing <laughs> the uh, Santa Claus franchise, uh, but. <laughs> I have never, I I want to tell you something, you should not beat up on yourself, because we hear every kind of possible scam, I have never heard this one, so this is, this is one that you should not feel like, I should have known better, well, why would you, why, I mean, you ordered shoes, you expected shoes to show up. Well, it, well, the thing I should have been suspicious of was it was a closeout sale and it was a really good deal. But the the website was excellent. It had first quality and everything in my size. I just, you know, I, uh, it, but frustrating. But the thing that I wondered about when I was in the middle of filling out my third piece of paperwork to get my money back from my credit card company, uh, this must have. This is a major internet social photo sharing site. I'm not allowed to say the name, I guess, but um, there must be tens of thousands of people who are affected by this exact same fraud. And isn't there some sort of a computer clearinghouse uh, for credit card situations so that they know that, so that everybody doesn't have to file with their individual no, card issue? No, I mean, you. it's up to you as an individual to dispute and to stay on your credit card company. And also, 
I would inform the social media site that they're running ads for a scam. Well, yeah, I suppose. But you, you've, you've recognized, of course, that this fraudster is playing a crack in the system. Right. I mean, I mean for instance, a gambler going to that's that's a, a, a card counter. Um, all the Las Vegas casinos, all the casinos in Atlantic City, everybody that runs a casino in the world has pictures of those guys. These guys know how to card count. They're not allowed in the casino. Right. It but, but this like is different. Credit this cards is... companies should the credit card companies should know that a company is a bad apple. There you know, you would think system. so. You would think so, but the system is too diffuse. It's different than what you said with the casinos. You know, a huge percent of the casinos are owned by a small number of owners. You know, this is one where the credit card system is really, really spread out. There are so many different decision makers, so many different financial institutions that that's why it's so easy for criminals to be able to attempt to run through phony charges. And that's why you have to stay tough to make sure that your credit card issuer stands behind you. As far as fixing the systemic problem, um, the industry doesn't seem to have a real interest in stamping out this kind of fraud. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com, and then producer Joel asks the question for you. All right, Clark. Jason says, my wife and I are very interested in what Clark's brother and sister-in-law are doing as traveling nomads in retirement. Are they documenting their, their trips anywhere that we can read and follow? So my brother Gary and his wife have been on the road, um, gosh, they're closing in on four years now, where they've just traveled the world and now they're going to be in Utah for three months before they go on their next adventure. They were in Europe for several months. Before that, they were in the South Pacific for several months. And they, at first, were doing um, some blogging and social media posting, and now not so much. So it would be great if I could get my brother and sister-in-law interested in in putting that information out there because you just can't imagine how many people have asked me how they do this. And there are some specific things that are difficult about not having actually any home at all, but they've been able to make it work. So I'm going to go to my brother and see if Gary will consider doing some kind of info guide for people so they know how it's done, at least how they've done it. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.